Well, good morning. Good to see everybody. I just, man, I just love being at church, don't y'all? And it, I mean, hey, where would you rather be than right here? This is a good spot, I'm telling you. I want to talk, we're going to start something brand new uh, this morning. Uh, title this sermon, The Fight, all right? Um, uh, now, we're going to kind of go through a whole series of things under this topic, but here's what I want you to understand is, I don't know that if most of you realize this or not, but... I feel like it most of the time. I'm in a fight for my life every day of the week. Like, and the, you know, when we prepare, if we're prepared for that fight, we're going to handle it a whole lot more better than if we weren't. And, you know, uh, we were in Men of Valor the other day, and uh, we were studying, we've been studying the book of Hebrews. And, when we think about an inward struggle, you know, the, the book of Galatians describes an inward struggle. It, it says that the flesh battles against the spirit, and the spirit are against the flesh, and the two are at odds with one another. And in, uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 7, the apostle Paul describes how he has an own inward struggle. Of You know, he says, this is what he says, uh, what I want to do, I cannot do, and what I do not want to do, that's the very thing that I do. What's he talking about? He's talking about the inward struggle in himself where he, he, he really desires to serve the Lord with all of his heart. But that's exactly the, he does exactly the opposite. He goes and serves himself. So he, he's in this struggle. We're all in this struggle together, y'all. I'm in it, you're in it, we're all in it. And when we come to living for the Lord, we're literally in a fight every single day. I told a story, some of y'all have heard it. I don't care if you've heard it, plug your ears. I'm going to tell it to the people that ain't heard it before, all right? So there's a story about a missionary to the Sioux Indians. And he, he starts his work up there and he goes up onto the Sioux Reservation and he plants a church. And, uh, man, he, God is working marvelously through him and doing these great things, and people are getting saved, and all this stuff happens. And there's this one particular Indian brave whom, well, he, he boy, he really, like, he, get, he gave it all to the Lord. He got saved, and, I mean, he went to church for a while, and then all of a sudden he found himself uh, surrendering into the ministry and started preaching some and doing some things to help the pastor out. And it was just, man, he was... He was having the time of his life. And as they went along, tell me if this sounds like you and I, uh, he started going, or he started missing church. He started missing his obligations, and he started kind of falling by the way. Doc Owen said, he, he's told me one time, the wisest things a man ever said to me about going to church, he said these words. He says, when you're a-going, you don't want to miss. And when you're a-missing, you don't want to go. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, right? Uh, so he got to where he was a missing and he didn't want to go. And he quit doing everything. And well, one day the, the, the pastor of the missionary went out and he saw the Indian brave in town. He ran into him in the store and he, he says, Hey, I want to talk to you. Can, let me come over here and let's talk. So he pulled him aside and he says, He says, Man, you were doing so great. You were serving the Lord. He says, What happened to you? Why'd you quit? And he says, Well, he says, there's a fight inside of me. He says, there's a black dog and there's a white dog. 
and they fight. Sometimes the white dog wins. And sometimes the black dog wins. And the pastor looks at him and he says, well, how do you, how do you, what do you think determines which dog wins? And he said, the one I feed the most. Right? Uh, you're in a fight. And what I'm going to propose to you is if it, this is not hard, it's easy as long as you're feeding the right one. Um, when, when I'm always harping you about reading God's word, being in the word, coming to church, all those things, you're, you're feeding the right one. You're feeding the Holy Spirit that's living in you, feeding your spirit that the Holy Spirit strengthens, and therefore you're able to serve the Lord and win this fight. But here's the truth about the fight. You're going to win or you're going to lose, but there is no ties, right? There's win, lose, but no draw in this fight. So let's read it. We're going to start. Um, I'm going to, this is going to, this particular sermon, I got to looking at the slides, y'all, and I'm thinking, this is going to be too long for one Sunday. So uh, we're going to split this one up. But let's read it. I want you to read this underlined part together. This is such a critical truth when we're thinking about the fight. This one right here. Preachers always preaching about the gospel, right? Well, this is it. We're going to cover this really in depth today. And this is what he says in the opening of this passage. Let's read it together. For what? I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is what? The power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed, against, uh, revealed from heaven against all un ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to become wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged the natural use or natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Boy, that's, I'm telling you, that's been going on since day one, since Adam and Eve fell. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. God who is blessed forever, amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged the natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty from their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, 
God gave them up to debased minds to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetous, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and maliciousness. They are gossipers, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, and disobedient to parents. That's amazing to me that that's in there, right? And with all that list, but kids, y'all better pay attention. God's trying to tell y'all something. All right, right? Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. That is a really hard passage, right? But don't shoot the messenger. I'm just the guy that's preaching. God's the one that said it. So there you go. All right. Now, let's kind of look at this for a minute. Uh, Plain and easy to win. Here's the truth about your life and my life. God did not make this hard. This is not a hard thing to do. He laid it out pretty simply for us in Scripture. All we have to do is submit our life to Christ and follow Him. That does not mean, let me tell you something, I'm going to get to this in a minute a little more deeper, but your first, your initial response to this message today would simply be this, God, I submit my whole life to you, you do the rest. That's it. So many people come to church and they come to Christ and they're thinking, man, I've got to put all this work in. I've got to do all this and I've got to do all that. And and unless I do that, my life is never going to change. Nothing could be further from the truth because under your power, say under your power, Christ will never change you. If you're trying to do it, Christ, uh, you won't do it. Surrender to the power of God changes everything. You see, uh, don't make this hard. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For by grace you have been saved, not of your works. Look at the person next to you. You're not working for it. Tell them. It's not your work. It is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. I'm going to tell you right now, God is not going to share his power of salvation with you. You're not going to walk into heaven, and he's going to look at you and go, Hey, man, you and I did a good job saving you. That ain't going to happen, y'all. All right? I'm telling you. You're going to walk into heaven, and there's going to be one thing that's established. You trusted Jesus dying on the cross for your sins, shedding his blood, doing the entire work of salvation for you so that you could be saved. It is not your doing. So quit trying to make it your doing and just surrender your life to Jesus, right? Uh, And that's even, okay, if you're saved and you're struggling with your life and you feel like, man, pastor, I've been losing lots of fights lately. You know why? Because you're letting the wrong person fight. You know, God told Joshua when they were crossing over in the promised land, he said, "Don't, don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. For listen, to, listen to this, what he says. For the Lord your God fights for you. Right? And he fights for you in the struggle we have. If you just get behind him. Right? I mean, let him lead. Here we go. So this is what the scripture says. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of what? I am not ashamed of what? 
Now, I want to talk to you about the gospel for a minute. Because the gospel is defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. It's literally on our mission statement as a church. It's our, it's our basic, most basic core belief of our church. And it says these words, uh, For I believe this, that Christ died in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. And what the Apostle Paul says is that is the gospel. That this is what happened to you. Now, he says the gospel here is what it's the, what does he say? For it is the what? The power of God for salvation. I don't hear you already. The power of God for salvation. And to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek, for in it what? In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, ready, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, let's, let's break this down for a minute. Let's talk about the power of God. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Church, let me tell you something about what the Apostle Paul was saying here with the statement he was making. He was making this statement. Man, this is the boldest, greatest thing I have in my life. I'm going to walk around with it and wear it like a badge. I'm so bold as to know that Jesus would take a wretched sinner as such as I am and save me for all of eternity. Come into my life and change me. Paul was a murderer. He hated the church. He persecuted Christians before he got saved. He was an awful person, just like you and I. And one day on the road to Damascus, the Bible says a great light shone around him. And the Lord spoke to him and he said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? It was right there that he had a life-changing experience and he was saved for all of eternity. No matter, see, you know what's amazing about that? is, is the, the Lord Jesus, when he, when he met Paul on that road, he didn't say, well, listen, Paul, you got to go back and right all your wrongs before I'll save you. How many of y'all have been going back and trying to right all your wrongs? How many of y'all have been carrying guilt for years and years and years, and, you've, and it's hindered you from living a life powerfully for Christ? Can I tell you about what Apostle Paul did? He did what the Lord told him to do. He says, get up from here, and I want you to go to a street called Straight, and you're going to find a guy there. His name is Ananias, and he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to pray over you because the Lord blinded him, and he's going, these scales are going to fall off your eyes, and he's going to help you. And it was from that moment on, listen, Paul's life was radically changed. I mean radically changed. He never went back to his past. He never went back to that guilt. He received forgiveness and the power of God to salvation, and God changed his life. And not only did he plant hundreds of churches throughout the Greek empire, but God used this man to write half of our New Testament that we read today. Right? Because the gospel is the power of God. You walked in here and you're thinking, man, uh, I just don't think God can do that in my life. Then you don't believe the gospel of what he can do. And then it says uh, this. It says, uh, 
to everyone who believes, first the Jew and the Greek, and in it the righteousness of God. So I'm going to tell you something else the gospel does for you. The gospel brings the righteousness of God into your life. You are not righteous. Dang it. You mean that, preacher? I mean it. I am not righteous. I sin every day of my life. And you sin every day of your life. You know why I believe that? Because I watch you. I'll go look in your living rooms and I'll see what you're doing. <laughs> no. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? Do you believe what God's word says? That means you're a sinner. Sinners. Bunch of sinners. Right? But you remember, when I'm pointing a finger, there's three looking back at me, right? We're sinners. And in the book of 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5 and verse 21, I love this verse. It says, For he made him who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Christ hung on a cross for you and I. This is why the gospel is so powerful. There's nothing else can, no one else can do this for you. Not one person, no one. You can't do it. Listen, uh, the Bible tells us the wages of your sin is death, right? So if you choose... At this moment, if you've not trusted Christ, if you choose right now to say, well, you know what, I'm going to trust in my own salvation. I'm going to create my own heaven. I'm going to live forever on my own in my own little paradise. Man, if, I'm going to tell you something. If you can do that, you should go ahead and do it now. Get out of all this other stuff you're in, right? But you can't, and you never will. You need Christ. He's the one that made heaven available for you through the death on the cross. He was on that cross, and he looked to heaven, and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason why is because all the sins of the world were laid on him, because he became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. So you are righteous. Everybody look at the person next to you and say, You're righteous. Say, Because of Jesus. So listen, here we go. The power of God, the power of God to raised from the dead, the power of God to overcome sin, the power of God to make you righteous. If you, if you walked in this morning, you've been in this struggle for life, and you've been in this fight, and you think, man, there's no way that I could ever change. See, you're, you're depending on the wrong person. You're depending on you instead of the power of God to change your life. And most of the time, that comes from a stubborn guilt. Most of the time, it comes from a stubbornness of well, you know, I'm just not sure that I really want to change. I want to ask you a question. Why not? Why would you not allow? Listen, this is not about your ability. This is not even about how comfortable, uncomfortable this conversation is. This is about you going, wow. I want to live for Jesus. I gave him my life 10 years ago. But since then, there's not been much change 
but I know it's my fault because I haven't surrendered. What's wrong with going, okay, today marks a new day in me to where I am surrendered. And Lord, I give it all to you. You take care of it, please. That's all that's about. You know, it's amazing because, you know, I think about my own life and there's no way that I would be standing before you here now preaching had not God changed my heart. Now, I want to tell you that came by stubborn, um, no, 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 God, no, no, God, no, 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 some more, right? But it was until there was a surrender that came and I finally gave it up. You know what? I have more joy in my life now through what God's doing through me than I ever have before. And that's not an exception to the rule. That's the rule. Until you start to do what God created you to do and saved you for, until you're surrendered to him, listen, joy is going to escape your life and you will always be fighting. It's the power of God of salvation for the faithful follower. It says, the righteous shall live by faith. So you've been, you've been made righteous through Christ and now you live by faith in Christ. You live by faith in the fact that God is at work in your life. I want to show you something right here. We're going to define faith. Hebrews 1.11 says, Faith, now faith is what? Let's read it. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now I want you, I'm, I, want, I want you to think about this for a minute. Faith. First of all, I'm encouraged by the assurance of my faith. Y'all know that? Like I get up every day and I'm assured that God loves me. I'm assured that he saved me by his grace and I'm assured that heaven is my home. That's not by my works. That's not by anything I've done. That's by Christ assuring me that he saved me for all of eternity. It's, it, listen, I'm not, listen, I'm not even able to hold on to Jesus on my own, but Jesus holds on to me, so I have assurance. And then I'm changed through conviction. The conviction of things not seen is what faith is. So I'm convicted by certain things that I know are yet to come that causes me to want to lean more and more and more into Christ. I'm convicted by the fact that one day I'm going to die on this earth. I'm going to face eternity straightforward. I'm convicted by the fact that I'm going to go into heaven and I'm going to see my Savior face to face. That's a conviction I have in my life. I'm going to meet, and so are you, the eternal God one day. That's conviction of things not seen. Like I haven't seen him. I've never seen God. I've seen the works of God through people. I've seen the works of God through the church. But I've never seen God face to face. One day, I'm convicted that I will see God face to face. Now, I want you to think about that conviction for a minute. How if, you know, okay, if we really have a perspective of heaven, if we really have a, a perspective of eternity like we should, if we're looking at it in the right way, if we truly believe, like this right here, 
if we're assured of what's coming and we're convicted by what's coming, right now as you think about that, how does that change your thinking? What difference does that make in your life? Because when you start to be assured and convicted of what's coming, that begins to make little changes in you, right? Little changes in how you're spending time with your family. Little changes in if you're, if you're praying with your kids or you're reading the Bible with your kids. Little changes in how you're treating your spouse. Little changes in how often you're coming to church. Little changes in how often do you tell your pastor he preached a great sermon. Little things. It's not big things. They're not huge. Like, you know, you're, you're not going to go, probably some of you might, but overnight become, okay, I'm going to be a missionary to China. That's probably not going to happen in that life. But it's the evidence of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen where you, where you really start to think about what God has done in your life. I'm gonna, I, I want to close with something. I want you to think about this. Uh, I think it's on the next slide. Let's see. Um, Think about the invisible attributes of God and stop suppressing the truth. Um, it says, for the invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and Godhood and divine nature have been what? Seen. Say it again, they've been what? Seen. In other words, the Bible tells us that the evidence of God is all around us, right? Things hoped for, conviction, right? Ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so what? They are without excuse. There's, there's one thing you can do to begin to allow God to change your life right now. There's one thing that you can do if you're here this morning and you need to give your life to Christ. Some of you walked in here and you're not saved. You have not you've yet to trust Jesus as your Savior. And I want to tell you what you've been doing. You've been pushing the truth aside. And we're going to talk about this a little more next week as to how the truth gets pushed aside and how we think. But right now, the truth of God has spoken to you. Bible says the wages of sin is death that's the truth why suppress the truth do you think you're going to get into heaven on your own merit do you think your merit matters at all the truth is it doesn't stop pushing the truth aside do you think you're going to live forever here Stop pressing the truth aside. I'm telling you right now, and I know it's a, it's a downer thing, but last I checked, the death rate on earth is 100%. You're not escaping that, right? Stop suppressing the truth. And that's okay. That's okay if you make it right here, right now, and stop suppressing the truth. Let me tell you what the truth is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Y'all were saying that with me. Let's say it again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
no one, listen to this, no one comes to the Father except through me. Hmm. Hey, all that, all that stuff you hear from everyone around you, well, as long as you believe something, as long as you'll follow something, as long as you have a God in your life, as long as you believe in a higher power or a superior being, you're okay. I'm going to tell you, no, you're not. Because Jesus, if we, do you believe Jesus? Say yes, amen, you believe Jesus? Well, this is what Jesus said. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one, say no one, comes to the Father except through me. It's got, it has to happen through Christ. So, this morning, everyone here has an opportunity if you've not given your life to Jesus. It's not hard. Believe me, it's not hard. If it were hard, I'd have been in trouble a long time ago. This is not a hard thing. I want to tell you what Scripture says. If you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In verse 13 of that same passage, it says, Whoever, say whoever, whoever. calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, I think he included you in that. Do you fit the whoever category? Right? Oh, I did. I still do. You do too. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, or that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's another whoever. You fit. You're there. You qualify. So let's bow our head and close our eyes this morning. And I want to pray with you. Simply give your you an opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. You may have never prayed before in your life, but today you have an opportunity to pray, to give your life to Christ right there where you sit. I'm going to help you do that. A lot of times we go, well, how do we do that, Pastor? How do I call upon the name of the Lord? Let me help you. You just repeat after me. Now, trusting God to save you right where you sit, that's your heart speaking to God. Maybe I can just help you form the words to do it. I'd like to do that if you'd let me and give me that honor and privilege of helping you pray those words to trust Christ for the very first time in your life. I would like to help you with that, if you don't mind. So as we pray, you just simply repeat after me. You know how I believe this too? I believe God hears your heart. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an out loud prayer because we're not here to uh, call anybody out or anything like that. Uh, that'll come later. You'll, give your, you'll get your opportunity to to be baptized here in this church and show other people that Christ has saved you. But right now, you just need to pray. God hears your heart, and I'll help you do that. So as we bow our head and close our eyes, just, just simply pray with me, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that my sin disqualifies me for heaven I also believe that you died on the cross for my sin and you paid for it all my sin in the past my sin right now and even my sin in the future 
ask that you would forgive me for all of my sin. I believe you rose again and you live today and you hold the power of life. I ask that you would give me eternal life so that I might live with you in heaven forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. And it's in your name I proclaim, I am saved. Lord God, I want to thank you for those that prayed with me. I want to thank you for working so mightily in their lives. I pray, God, that as you work, that you would help me and help our church to reach out to those that gave their life to you for the very first time this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to ask our band to come on up and get ready to play. And as they get their guitar strapped on and all that, um, I, want to, I want to talk to you about the decision you just made for the very first time in your life. If you gave your heart to Jesus, I'm going to give you another opportunity. It's a simple one. It's, it's not hard to do at all. It's very easy. And it's a very personal thing. First, see, what, I've, what you've just done is you've made a, you, you personally accepted Christ as your Savior. It's a personal thing. And we don't want to make that any, about anything but you and Him. But here's the thing I want to ask you to do. As you walk out that back door, on the back table there, uh, there are some little four-by-four four sheets of paper. This is uh, the way we use these is to connect with you and our church. If you would please do me one favor as you leave today, please do not leave the building if you trusted Christ without doing this. Write your name and your phone number on that paper. Put it in that offering box. There's two of them, one right there by the back door and one outside, one out there by the exit door. Drop that in that box. Uh, they'll give that to me, and I will call you. And I'll, I will talk, I'd like to talk to you about your decision for Christ today. All right? Just me and you. Phone call, meet for coffee, whatever it is. I'd really love to visit with you about your decision today. So thank you all for being here. Let's stand up and praise the Lord. Mm, glory.